Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Let's Talk Hockey. It's been a while since our last recording. I'm your host Max and joining me as always is Biddy and Ali. Hi guys. Hello. And also with us today we have Dan uh, from Pixel Factory. He's making sure we all sound like humans and not like robots. If you're new to this podcast, why not check out our Facebook page and click on the follow button on Spotify. Both will keep you notified of our new episodes. So in this recording, we're going to be going over the news since our last recordings, and we'll be also looking at cities that could potentially host a, an elite league team if the league wanted to uh, expand the league further. And finally, in period three, we'll be looking at uh, tech, past, present and future for hockey in general, what we've used, what we could see being incorporated into the hockey world. So let's jump right into it. Here's period one on Let's Talk Hockey. Okay, boys, so it's been a while since our last recording. Been plenty of news in the whole hockey world. We've had the NHL playoffs. We've had leagues start back up. We've had leagues uh, completely shut down and not uh, start again until potentially next year and all sorts of other things as well. Um, first off, how did you both find the NHL bubble playoffs? Um, yeah, it went with a uh, reasonable success. Um, congratulations, Tampa, by the way, on a uh, job well done. Uh, done me by one game, so I thought it was going to be <laughs> five, not six, but never mind. Yeah, please gamble responsibly. If the fun stops, please stop. <laughs> service <laughs> announcement for it. It a quick service announcement for everybody. But yeah, if you, if you find enjoyment doing that, I think it was a great success compared to the way that other major sports have had to battle with COVID. The fact that the NHL could and hockey itself could put itself in such a high stead of like, right, okay, we've done this. We've had pretty much zero cases all the way through. Uh, and it'd be a competitive and fun to watch um, product. Yeah, I thought um, certainly from like a TV broadcast point of view, it, it didn't feel massively different. Um, you know, they, they kind of they did some of the stuff that we were talking about when we were speculating about how leagues might start back up. Um, you know, they sort of had like fan noise piped in. I don't know whether that was like real and live or whether it was kind of synthesized like they, they've done in uh you know like the, the football premier league over here and stuff but um yeah i think they made pretty good use of technology to kind of add a bit of interest to the situation and uh yeah made made, made quite a success of it yeah they did pipe in some noise um but then also they did get uh fans to record at home on their phones laptops computers they got them to record themselves chanting and uh, clapping along and cheering their team on and they got played that actual footage got played and the sound did as well um whilst the games were going on so it was half a guy um sitting at a sound desk sliding up and down uh, crowd noises um i don't really know how really actually felt because there was no bias to one team so you'd have 
the Boston Bruins playing such and such, and yeah, it just wouldn't there wouldn't be any booing on bad calls, which happens a lot. <laughs> there wouldn't be any uh, cat calling on the opposite opposition teams. Uh, so yeah. Well, what else did you uh, notice, uh, Billy? The only thing I noticed with it, which I thought was a bit, bit unlucky, was um, funny enough with Boston, with their goalie uh, Tusker. Is it how you pronounce it? Obviously, he had a few of the uh, family issues throughout it, so we had to leave early, which meant that was his completely over to the bubble. So, kind of a bit of a shame. Tuka Tuka Rask. That's the one. Yeah. So yeah, kind of feels a bit like the bubble was a letdown in that sense. The fact that you have a hundred percent or nothing, and losing your starting goalie due to something like that, and not being able to get him back, was a bit of a tough call for Boston, but. I guess with the uh, times we're in, there's not much they could really do about it. So, yeah, but it's something that um, teams throughout the playoffs had to had to kind of deal with. Not so much players leaving, but even some players coming out before the even the team even went into the bubble and said, "Right, I'm not taking part in this." So some teams were even down some players before even starting. I mean, it's obviously a, an extra kicker that it was their goalie that said, "Oh, halfway through this, I'm going to have to dip out," but. You, after it all came out I think he got a lot of stick when it first happened and then once people realised oh okay it's like a serious family matter and he's away from home you kind of got to give the guy sympathy he probably did the right thing overall realistically yeah absolutely and uh, yeah, I think some fans I'm doing air quotes for yeah. the people <laughs> listening at home um, uh, you know had a go at players that that pulled out for, um, you know, kind of legitimate either health concerns or, or concerns about their family's health, and, and I think you know we're we're all gonna be united right now in saying that's not cool. Oh God, no! <laughs> yeah, definitely. So on to a more recent piece of news, uh, putting the NHL behind us. The NIHL of. Uh, Great Britain or of England, which is not the elite league, it's the league below that, uh, consisting of teams such as the Milton Keynes Lightning, previous elite league um, elite league team, uh, Swindon Wildcats, Sheffield Steel Dogs, and I think... Nottingham Lions. Nottingham Lions as well, yeah, uh, as well as pl- plenty of others. Um, but I singled out those three, uh, the Wildcats, the Lightning and the Steel Dogs, because they have... Uh, put out today, or actually the league put out today, that those three teams were playing in a what they are calling a streaming series. Mm. So those three those three teams will play each other twice. So once at home, once away again. I'm using air quotes. Um, I've got the article in front of me. I'm going to quickly read through a bit of it so you kind of get the idea of before you before you do. Can I just say, I think like all these leagues around the world are listening to our podcasts because the NH the, the NHL have been implementing our, you know, fan streaming and piping sounds in idea, and now the NH- NIHL are doing our uh, <laughs> our uh, streaming package idea. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're gonna have to come up with a few more new ideas. I say you heard it here first, boys. <laughs> exactly. I'm. I'm claiming it. We're claiming it. Let's be honest. We're claiming it. So the article reads as such. Each team will play each other twice over in a space of two weeks at the end of November. 
British fans can uh, get excited over the possibility of having so, some ice hockey to look forward to during this barren spell of coronavirus. I love the language that they use. Um, a quote from the league chairman is, we've all been missing hockey and have been overwhelmed by the level of support and interest from fans of all teams across our league uh, have shown. Uh, he also goes on to thank the players, the staff, uh, and the league officials and everything else um, for getting this together. This has obviously been going on since they heard our podcast, I guess, uh, <laughs> to put this together because it's obviously taken them some time. Um, they do also go on and say how much it's going to cost. So tickets will be priced at twelve pounds, with a family ticket as an optional buy uh, as an optional basis, and a three pound per additional viewer. Uh, if you're watching together and field, you'd like to support the clubs more. So they're not even cracking down. I know some elite league teams were like, if you had, say, a watch party at your house and you invited over, um, you know, five or six of your friends to watch the live stream, you only paid for one live stream. They're not kind of clamping down on that. But if you want to help support the teams and support the league, you can offer an extra, do- you know, an extra donation per person of viewing, which. The fact that it's optional is a great a great thing. So the dates well, touching are... Touching on that... Oh, go on. Go on, carry on. Sorry. Touching on that, I kind of don't see how the Elite League thought that was ever going to work because they're not sending people around to ask to count how many people sat on your sofa <laughs> watching. How are they ever going to like, only one person, please? It's never going to happen. No, I know. But I think the pre- business. I, I, think, I, think the, I think the premise of it was like, okay, let's not have a whole hockey team sit and watch and pay for one... Um, for for one uh, viewing um where on like some um potentially some venues paying the wrong uh, the wrong price for um for webcasts and not having the commercial license etc or having a watch party or something like that it's at the end of the day it's it's money not in their pockets and i can see why they why they would be ticked off but for for what oh, yeah. i understand that but there's oh, only yeah. one guy in the world paying for netflix and we're all streaming off of his so it's very Why true. Different? <laughs> it's very true. And thank you to that one yeah. guy. One day, I, one day I will meet him. So the dates are as no, it's, follows. It's me. <laughs> oh, is you? Oh, cool. <laughs> I know him. I know him well. <laughs> uh, yeah. For, I mean, first of all, I, th- I mean, I think the league have acted incredibly quickly because we only put that episode out like last week, even though we recorded it like three months ago. Um, <laughs> I gave so, I gave know, them a snippet. Maybe, maybe they've got maybe they've got spies. Um, <laughs> Your house, your house is bugged. <laughs> um, but no, I, th- I think it's a great idea, um, and I think it's it's really nice actually to see a so-called kind of lesser league, you know, the the, the kind of second tier of British hockey. But let's face it, in terms of budgets and and kind of uh, volume of fans and and kind of quality of players that they can attract, there, there's a huge gulf. And people always talk about between the elite league and the NIHL and 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 the leagues below the NIHL um, and yet I think it's great that that league is doing something and, and trying to innovate a little bit and, and look for ways that they can uh, keep some money coming in and um, keep the fans happy it's, it's nice to see the fact that they can act so quickly and as one as a league Whereas we, I don't think we've seen the elite league really do that. Um, like I said earlier, the dates will be running from the 14th to the 29th uh, of November. 
So when you're hearing this, you probably um, there probably is a couple of games being played. Uh, so each team will be playing each other twice. So Swindon versus the first game is Swindon versus Milton Keynes. Sheffield uh, plays Swindon on the day after. Then there's a bit of a break until the 21st, where Milton Keynes plays Swindon. Uh, 22nd, Swindon versus Sheffield. 28th, Milton Keynes versus Sheffield. 29th, Sheffield versus MK. The league are hoping that this will turn into kind of like the basis for potentially starting up a cup challenge series between uh, more teams or maybe even some sort of a shortened league. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they've come out and said both the Elite League and um, the NIHL uh, and NIHL 2, name name escaped me for a second then, all three leagues in the UK have come out and said that they are not going to potentially start a full uh, start a league until the new year and I think this is also the same in the NHL too um, but yeah it is it's reasonably priced the level of hockey is going to be interesting because I don't know whether they're going to be having imports or not so but again for 12 pounds to watch a hockey game in November from the comfort of my own home regardless of the level um, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, and um, actually, at twelve pounds, it's not that much to kind of say. You know what? Give it a try. Yeah, the one thing I'd maybe like to see them do, um, and I don't know if it talks more about this in the article. I must admit, I haven't read every word, or at least I don't remember it all. Um, uh, and and it's another idea that we talked about on our previous episode, but the idea of if it's a series, why not package them up as that and do it for, I don't know, if you're selling each game. How many games is it, did you say? Like six is it? Six games, yeah. Six, six games. games, yeah. I don't know, so maybe do them all for 40 quid? Something like yeah, that. Yeah. Buy it as a package, or you can buy them at 12 quid each or something. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely deals to be had in... Um, Probably as this gets a little bit closer, they could be doing. There may be more information that comes out about this. I just thought it'd be very interesting to kind of put this out there and let people know that, or those that are listening, that hockey is coming back in the UK in some form. It's only a short uh, street, what they're calling a streaming uh, streaming series, with just these three teams. But if this actually works, they've they've also said that there won't be there will not be fans in the stadium. So the only way to watch this game is through the streaming service. Um, and paying for it, um, so if if this can be a model where the elite league can kind of copy it, they, I know I know they don't like copying things; they like their own. Um, they like to do their own thing. But if this works and we can get hockey back in the UK, um, a competitive hockey, sorry, back in the UK to watch, then it's definitely something that needs to be explored. Yeah. With the streaming service, you mentioned obviously the money is going to go towards the uh, teams and stuff like that. Um, does the article mention at all how how that's going to happen? Because I assume that it's going to be an independent body that's doing the streaming. It's not going to be the teams themselves. So how does the money get split across them? Does, have they gone into details? I I don't know. I'd I'd imagine it'd be a fair split four ways between the league, uh, the league, the three teams, and. Uh, They'd, they'd split it up that way. A lot of these 
uh, NIHL teams do some sort of streaming service. I know the Lions do a YouTube, uh, either radio or video broadcast. Uh, I'm sure Sheffield do because obviously Sheffield has a webcast in their uh, main arena. Um, so it wouldn't be too difficult for them to have the same sort of same sort of thing in Ice Sheffield for the Steel Dogs. Um, so I, I, I believe it's only fair that it'd be a, a four-way split. It doesn't say they're still kind of speculating as to how um, actually effective this is going to be and how many people are actually going to watch it. But I could see a lot of footfall heading this heading uh, this streaming streaming series way, just because. There's not been hockey here in the UK since lockdown or since halfway through last season even. So, yeah, I can see it being elite league teams, fans jumping on this, um, as well as their their normal fans that they get through the door. So that's all the news that I've been able to dig up uh, without diving too much into uh, free agency in the NHL. Um, We've... Being over here in the UK and, and the draft and everything like that, kind of leaving that down to the experts. If you want to know about that sort of stuff, the best place to look is obviously on their websites and the news outlets over in America and Canada. Um, so if you guys don't have any more news for this news segment, no, we'll move on. That's the end of period one. We'll see you in period two. How do hockey players like to be paid with a check? What do you call a Canadian coffee shop with the lights off? Dim Hortons. So, welcome to period two. In this period, we're going to be looking at cities that the Elite League could expand to. So, cities that maybe have a rink already, or those that don't have a rink, where would the Elite League be best putting their efforts into uh, starting up a team or um, making a team better from uh, a league below to join the Elite League eventually. Uh, I, have a, I have a list in front of me of uh, not only the leagues, not only the league's uh, 10 teams that are playing at the moment, but also a potential list. Um, but first off, have you got any ideas, boys, off the top of your head where you would like to see an elite league team? We get five points for everyone that we uh, guess off of your list. <laughs> I tell you what, if you can guess, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you a point for everyone. Okay. I'll, I'll mark them down and I'll tell you at the end of the period how many you get. Well, top of the list should be Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not that's not on my list. But okay, oh, what's wrong with you, man? We've already tried Edinburgh. We don't want to do that again. <laughs> um, uh, I think a couple of obvious ones: um, Hull and Newcastle, um, who've been in the league in the past. Yeah, no, no, like they've already had they've already had teams. They've already had teams in the in the top flight of uh, British hockey. Um, it shouldn't be really that difficult to put them back in the elite league map. Uh, maybe a bit more of an in- infrastructure change um, with maybe expanding the seating, uh, improving the rink. Um, but yeah, definitely those two two places. Um, Biddy, over to you. See if you can get one off the list as well. Yeah, it's quite good that you mentioned uh, 
Newcastle and Hawks. I was also thinking that same area, like up north, I'm thinking um, Billingham and Black, uh, Blackburn. Because we've got a lot of teams down south with a lot of rivalries being formed and games being played, but there's not many up north. Like you go from a big jump from uh, Manchester up to Scotland. So having those few teams in that middle gap could be a uh, could be quite nice. Yeah, even a big jump down from Manchester down to Sheffield. Maybe even Cardiff is like a bit more of a closer rivalry. Maybe even Belfast because it's only across the water. There's like your next closest rival. Um, but again, a lot of these places that we're talking about also have um, lower league teams in them. Um, one of which is Leeds. The Leeds Chiefs um, do fairly well. Um, Sam Gospel, who is a up-and-coming British netminder, uh, recently been signed on with the Panthers, has played previously for Sheffield, and is now a, uh, a stable uh, starting goaltender for the Leeds Chiefs. But again, Leeds could be... Uh, I've been to the rink, I've played in it, uh, um, I've trained in it, I've not played a game in it. Uh, it's big enough, it's very similar to Manchester, uh, Planet Ice Arena. Um, I would say it holds about 2,000-ish fans, uh, good ice surface, and all the, all the, the stands and the, and the seats are above glass level. So if you if anybody's ever been ever been to Manchester or um like the seats are raised, so there's not a bad view at all. And I believe they also have standing area around the outside of the rink. So Leeds would be a good it's one. Re- relatively new Leeds, is it? Um fairly new. Fairly new, yeah. Fairly new. Um I believe there's been a a, a, a rink in Leeds for a while. Also it is slap bang opposite the football ground. So, right. again, with a lot of these um, play, a lot of these cities that I've got on my list, I've also tried to twin them with a potential football city where they'll be able to kind of lobby fans over from a football game, where they'll be able to say, say twin tickets with, oh, you go to a football game on a Saturday, well, we're playing on the Sunday afternoon, so come back down, or we're playing later on that day. So, yeah. In that case, I'd like to take a guess at Liverpool. Yes, Liverpool is Liverpool is on the list. Yeah, it always it always boggled my mind that Liverpool doesn't doesn't have an ice rink. Um, I went to uni there. Well, they kept trying to make one, but they kept getting nicked. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, (laughs) if you you played you played in the big blue you played in the big blue ten, you can put you can you can put a rink on bricks and play. It's fine. Um, yeah, no, always, always um, found it really strange that a big city like Liverpool didn't didn't have a rink. Um, and as far as I'm aware, still still doesn't. I think the nearest would be Widnes. Yeah, again, with a lot of these things, they probably have a um, they probably have a a close by rink, but and they probably would call themselves the team that's closest to Liverpool or you know kind of Liverpool's mm-hmm. team. Um, but again, having something in the city centre, um, or, or as, as close to the city as possible, uh, is, is definitely much more favourable rather than being in like an actual different location. Yeah. Um, sure. Back to Ali to try and guess one off the uh, guess one off the list. Uh, well, one that I would love to see would be Derby. Oh, that is on my list. So we could have a Derby Nottingham rivalry. Yep. And forget um, about Sheffield. 
<laughs> well, the whole reason why Nottingham don't like Sheffield is because Derby doesn't have a team. Like, if, if, if Derby had a, if Derby had a team, Sheffield would be irrelevant. Like <laughs> it, it'd be quite it'd be quite obvious. But again, another thing that you could twin with the football. I, I know uh, we're recording this on the uh, the 29th of October, and Nottingham and Derby <clears throat> football teams have recently played each other, and there's still interest, even with the fact that they can't go. Um, to the actual game, there's still mm-hmm. a massive interest with fans going down to uh, local drinking places, local pubs and restaurants that are going to be viewing the, uh, you know, showing the game, etc. And it's still, it's still a rivalry. If you can twin that with a hockey game, mm-hmm. either on the same day or the day after, so you buy a ticket for the football, it gets you half price admission for the hockey game, or twin them in such a way that if you buy a ticket. You get you get into the hockey. Um, yeah. You, you, yeah, your t- your ticket is valid. Um, again, there's again there's so many things that you could, you could even call that team. You could call them the Longhorns because Derby's well known for it for them being the Rams. Mm-hmm. Longhorn Longhorn is a type of ram. Mm. It would make for cool logos. It make for cool jerseys. Um, they could kind of copy off the LA Kings style from back in the 90s with the black and white which kind of follows their football team as well uh, all kind of tie it in which is quite you've thought about this a lot Max I have a lot of spare time <laughs> <laughs> well when I was writing them down there's another one there's like I think two I've got three more which I've thought of potential team names with um, I'm not I'm not going to say you, I'm, you're probably not going to be able to guess them maybe, maybe one um, well you give but, us the you give us the the team Nickname, and we'll see if we can guess the city it belongs to. Um, well, before you say, uh, Dan, who's helping us out today, he's just kind of slid a little message across. Oh, um, he's mentioned that Cambridge obviously have a new rink, so that's a uh, a good one that's got chance yeah. to try and get into it with their uh, nice new fancy arena. And obviously, London as being the capital of England, they used to have the London Knights team down there and stuff like that, and there's not really much. Uh, happening elite league wise, so it's a nice little market they could branch into. Yeah, I, I tried for this list. I tried to stay away from London. The reason being is because I did a quick Google search on how many football teams there are in the London borough area, yeah. and if you could even fathom how many football teams there are from professional all the way down the leagues into non-league and everything else, with it being so popular. Um, like as our national sport, the competition in London is ridiculous. I know you've had the races down there, you've had the nights, London nights down there. I think it's too much of a busy market to kind of scream and shout about ice hockey. I think if we get up to a point where the elite league is actually making waves and uh, it's very, very well established, then London will call up call the elite league for a team. Yeah, like, there's. Um... This topic's been been done to death, and I don't want to do oh, yeah. what we're talking about now. But I think pe- people have said um, to make a London team work, it probably needs to be in the KHL. Yeah, and again, that's so distracting from the elite league that I really hope they don't do it. Like, and yeah. again, the, 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 I was looking at the KHL schedule, and we were talking before the recording a little bit about the KHL. KHL has a team in China, and yeah. you think about. Okay, that team now, talking about the China team, they've got to then travel from China to play away games. The fans can't travel, of the China team, can't travel with the team. If Mm -hmm. not, it's a really, really expensive flight and 
travel costs and everything else. So the chance to go and watch your team away is ridiculous. The same yeah. thing would be for uh, for a London team to be in the KHL. Um, it's just I just don't think it's monetary viable. Like you've got to you've got to have a pretty much a, a plane ticket to everywhere with the whole team to go and play in Finland, parts of Russia, parts of Eastern Europe. Like the the KHL spans such a distance across Europe, and it is a fantastic league with a fantastic um, level of hockey. But it's just it's so distracting from the elite league, and it's so not viable. Like, what's what's going to be in that arena when they go and play four or five games on the road and are doing thousands and thousands of miles worth of travel, uh, and then they're back home for three mm. games, and for then sure. away, and then yeah. and then away again for potentially like a month, two months. I just I just yeah. can't see it working, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the the, the dream would be you have a. Uh, and I've totally derailed the topic. Like I said, I wasn't going to, but hey. Uh, <laughs> but y- y- you'd have like a fully integrated um, kind of league, um, or not just a league, but kind of a, a, a governing body structure across leagues at different levels. Um, you know, two or three or four tiers of hockey, and perhaps, you know, there's a tier that's the equivalent of today's elite league, which is the kind of the peak of British national hockey. And then maybe there's a tier above that where one or two or three teams across the UK go into a KHL type pan Europe league, maybe. And but but they but they share you know these teams would share rinks so that like you say you've not got a a rink that's exclusively for a KHL team that then are in different countries for 5 6 weeks on the trot yeah exactly um, because you know when when they are then the elite league team is playing yeah kind of kind of almost like a uh, like a holiday home share like a yeah well like you're like a target yeah. time share yeah, um, but, have, but again, if if it's in the capital and it gets the proper backing, things like that should be able to work quite easily because you just kind of you, you schedule around it and you'll hopefully have the draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to re-rail us back onto extra extra places and get back to where we were. Thank you, Ali. But no, it it is a good topic, and it, probably want <laughs> and probably and probably one day soon we will talk about it to death and we'll kind of do a delve into that, like kind of extra leagues and extra things and stuff but you wanted me to give you a team name that i've come up with for a city and then try and guess the city yeah. uh, i've got an easy one and i've got i've got an easy one and i've got a hard one so i'll give you the easy one first the vikings what city in the uk All could right. have could have a team called the vikings Beep. york i was there mate i answered oh. valley <laughs> Well, <laughs> the person who didn't buzz in got the correct answer, so the point goes. The point will go to Ali. Uh, yeah, I put, I put York on there again. Another northern city. Um, if Newcastle was to come back in, that'd be another good rivalry to have um, up in the in the northeast of England. Um, a bit more of a difficult one is the Bulls, as in a male cow. The Bulls. <laughs> 
Um... <laughs> Skegness. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, okay, so going off the uh, the Cambridge theme that uh, Dan from the background has uh, brought forward, uh, Oxford, the logo on their uh, city crest or... Uh, or on their, especially on their football team crest, um, uh, right. is a bull, yeah, 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 yeah. and they could be called the Bulls. Um, so yeah, Oxford's on my list. Cambridge wasn't, um, and it probably should have been on there um, because I think Cambridge is one of the oldest places in the UK to have ice hockey because it's one of the oldest establishments. Um, I think I think Cambridge University outdates like hundreds and hundreds of years um and they've they've had sport and ice hockey there for a considerable considerable amount of time um i believe there was a uh, there definitely was a news article about it at some at somewhere at some point uh it does slip my mind but yeah cambridge was was definitely up there the ones listening at home obviously i hope you follow us on facebook by now uh let's talk hockey there's a bit of a shits and giggles. If you fancy dropping us some message with some team names you can think of, and we'll get back to you and try and guess where you were thinking. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring back to you that you sort of touched on earlier was um, the kind of elevating teams from, from lower leagues up towards yes. um, EIHL. I think, um, you know, one strong candidate for that <clears throat> um, who've, who've actually been up recently is is Milton Keynes um and then there are other teams that uh have been around for a long time and and, and have really kind of strong fan bases and and I think at, at times in the past have, have been in the top flight of British hockey I'm talking about places like um Telford and uh, Bracknell Bees and uh and the like that I think are ripe for that that you know sort of mentioned earlier of a more integrated um, structure with with kind of maybe promotion and relegation between the leagues. Yeah, there's not a, around Europe. There are a fair few um, leagues that do promotion and relegation. The problem they seem to have is you get that one, maybe two teams that just yo-yo between the two because there's so much disparity between the two leagues that you'll have a team go up and then they lose every game and maybe get maybe get one overtime loss that gets them a point um well, maybe just... not maybe not um promotion reg- rele- relegation but maybe just some um maybe some sort of agreement between the different tiers so at the moment we have the elite league that is just they they're run by the elite league incorporated or whatever um, for their own purposes, and quite frankly, they don't seem to really care about any of the other leagues. And then I think everything else is run by EIHA, or is it Ice Hockey UK? I forget. There's too many acronyms. <laughs> I believe it's the Ice Hockey. Uh, no, it doesn't really it's... matter. Yeah, I believe it's right. Ice Hockey UK. But the point is, the kind of the two, the two don't really mix. If it was one governing body that oversaw kind of from grassroots all the way up to the very top flight you could maybe have um, a condition in place that says 
if you want to have if a if an arena or a rink or whatever wants to have a team in the very top flight like a, f- a franchise for want of a better phrase then they also have to establish a team in like the maybe the two tiers below that or something yeah or at least and then, what, and then at least promotion and relegation come becomes like within that kind of franchise structure of players being able to progress and and get you know bumped up from the third tier to the second tier and maybe you know as they become more experienced and and develop then they maybe make their way to the very top tier yeah the that that is the ideal and uh the nhl ahl junior system east coast hockey league as well in the yeah east coast hockey league uh echl um that kind of system where a player gets drafted they're not quite NHL ready, but they go and play in the East Coast for a bit. They go and play in the AHL for a bit and eventually make the squad once they've got that time. The problem with that in the UK is that the elite league is, for we use a better term, what they call a standalone league. They call themselves a standalone league. Um, they do have now more affiliation with the lower leagues. Um, but not as much as they probably should. And then the lower leagues also, the English National League, um, previously the EPL and ENL2, they want to promote their own um, leagues as being their own leagues. They don't want to be known as a development league. As far as as far as I've, I know that they've come out and said, like they want to be not as good as it, probably not as good as the elite league. They don't probably want to, probably not come out and said that, but they want to be just a league of their own. They don't want to be, oh, we, we're we the league that the juniors come to, come through and eventually go off and um, and play in the, the elite league. They want to be yeah. almost right I mean, in get, the elite league. I for, get that, I get that from a marketing point of view, but from yeah. a development of the sport and development of players, yeah, it, it, that, that's not the best for, for those things, is it? No, it's not. And the problem is that you have two governing bodies, both of which have chairs uh, of their bodies, and you've got two guys that are making, let's be honest, probably a decent amount of money doing that, or or at least some some money. And if they were to ever combine, those one of those guys is going to be out of a job. So sure. yeah. <laughs> they're going to, it's two, two into one. So like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the same, right. it's, it's the same all the way through. And it's like, at some point it probably will happen. I hope it's sooner rather than later that they can kind of put their differences aside and go, right, this is the best for the sport in the country and the best for our players in the country and have a full system where ENL2 moves, players move from ENL2 to ENL1 and eventually get a shot at the big at the big leagues in the elite league. That's kind of kind of the dream. Um, we have really really derailed from the subject. Sure, but I think but I think it's I think it's, I, I think it's a wicked wicked chat, um, and it's something that really does need to be said. And I think I, it's, I, I think it's something that's connected though to why we don't have more teams. You know why we have an elite league that is playing with you know 
sometimes as few as eight teams. Yeah. You know, which is is kind of laughable, really, when you consider, you know, how many football teams there are and yeah, how popular hockey is in in you know supposedly the most spectated indoor sport um and yet teams just can't stay afloat yeah and that switches on the closest team to london the milton Keynes lightning like they couldn't financially stay stable in the elite league they lasted one season there was obviously a if you want to go and read articles about it, I'm sure they're out there of what actually went down. And um, there's been a few interviews with people, players who play for that team on Spitting Chicklets, uh, another hockey podcast, um, that kind of they, they kind of op- openly say like, okay, players weren't getting play, uh, paid properly, and um, there was a lot of like bad, poor management and stuff. But ever since they've dropped down to the NL level, they are they seem to be financially stable. But again, I think that's because they've had a change with management and background staff. And the problem with this is there's a lot of variables and there's a lot of things to fall into the right place. Um, and a lot of people kind of swallowing pride, I think, before this kind of settles itself. But as you've heard us say, there are plenty of cities for the Elite League to move into um, and plenty of potential schemes with matching up with football teams, etc. Um, and bigger sports and um, hopefully growing this fantastic sport that we love to play and watch and enjoy but I'm cut off by the period two buzzer as I, as we normally do in period two it goes so fast we'll see you in period three when we talk about hockey tech past present and future which NHL trophy has the most glitz Stanley Cup. The Lady Bing. What's the best time to go to the dentist? The morning. Too hurty? And welcome back. We're in the third final period. In this one, we're going to go over hockey tech, past, present, and future. So what we've used in the past, uh, what we're using right now, um, and what we could potentially be using uh, or see technology being used in uh, hockey um, as we go through. We're going to start with uh, the past and go into Biddy first. What sort of past tech that you say maybe you started with or you've seen being used um, from back in the day? Uh, what sort of hockey tech do you remember from back back in the day? Well, Back in the day, and it's one that's uh, was highly talked about as being very, very poor uh, for the guys that likes the figures from 1996 to 1998. It's the good old Fox Tracks puck that they used on TV screens where you could uh, put the coloured line on the screen to show the direction of the puck travelling and depending on how hard and fast it was, uh, change the colour of the... Uh, Colour of the line, <laughs> and it was absolute shocking. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the N- the NHL thought it'd be a good idea uh, to have a trail of light behind the puck, as if it had been shot out of a cannon. Um, 
<laughs> uh, flying across the screen, uh, to which most play, uh, most people thought it was distracting and confusing um, and didn't really add to the game. In fact, all it did was take away and was distracting. Uh, a fun gimmick, um, but from uh, previous talk, well, previous talks, from previous um, articles and news from the NHL, they're bringing something similar back. They're bringing player tracking back. So each you'll know, you'll be able to find out stats such as how fast a player is skating, how long their shift lengths are, how long they've been on the ice in total. Um, things that we already know, but we'll probably be able to, we already, we will, there's already analytics for it now, but we will know kind of in game time, like, oh, uh, McDavid was on the ice for uh, such and such period of time, uh, was skated at a top speed of such and such, um, uh, traveled so much distance uh, around, around, the, uh, around the rink, took X amount of shocks because... He can do that. He can do multiple shots in a shift. Um, and <laughs> really, and is that allowed? Fun. Well, we only get maybe one look at a shot before the puck's taken away, and then <laughs> is down the other back end, back end of the ice. He gets like four or five shots a minute, uh, <laughs> maybe even more than that. I don't watch McDavid a lot. I watch Vancouver, and they don't shoot the puck. Um, <laughs> that's just why my game's so bad. I was just asking for my own personal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was just Fair thinking. Enough. I hope they never bring that technology to wreck because that's going to ruin us all. He skated <laughs> at one mile per hour, and then no, fell over. He fell over seven times. <laughs> the G forces from <laughs> from his head hitting the boards or the post was five G. Uh, um, I mean, uh, I think. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Fox Track. Don't get me wrong, was terrible, but the idea has you know some some credit to it or some value to it i think because you know it is sometimes difficult to track the puck especially if your um tv picture is less than kind of full hd as of course it was back in the 90s so i kind of get get the reason doing it you know it's, it's it's one thing tracking the puck when you're at a game live but uh on telly it can be can be quite difficult at times so uh but the technology was obviously not quite up to the uh the idea at the, at the time. <laughs> yeah, great, great idea. Wrong decade. <laughs> yeah, actually, wrong technical advances. Um, so moving on, we're going to go with Ali. And what was your past tech that you remember or remember fondly um, or or remember badly? Well, and people who listened to our first episode will remember that I haven't really been playing the sport for very long. Um, I I dabbled a little in uh, roller hockey uh, as, as a youngster, but I actually started playing ice hockey when I was thirty one, um, which was only four and a bit years ago. Um, dating myself, um, <laughs> I did have a wooden stick when I first started out when I was like fourteen or something like that. Um, it was made by a brand called Canadian. It was like wood, but it was like dipped in some sort of glass fiber stuff. Weighed a ton. Uh, the blade disintegrated because I used it on tarmac. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think it was a fair test of the technology. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that was more 
out of necessity of like price. Yeah, and and you know, and and to a degree, kind of what was available in the UK in in the kind of nineties, um, from from kind of like the one shop in the whole of Nottingham that sold any hockey gear. Um, yeah, which was on and off to say the least. He'd get stuff in. If if, if this is the one I'm thinking of, the one opposite the ice rink, it was called the hockey. I shop. I think it was just simply called the hockey shop. Yeah. 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 Um, the building's still there. Unfortunately, the shop is no yeah, more. Yeah. Um, good memories going in there and buying some pieces of kit. Um, I do remember Decathlon did some uh, road hockey sticks for a while. And this is kind of like my past hockey tech, um, tech would be two-piece hockey stick, but the blade, the blade was plastic, the shaft was wood, and the... Like the the part where they were connected, the shaft would go into kind of like a holder of the blade, and then be mm-hmm. bolted bolted through that. Um, yes, and I had one of those as well. Were these yeah. the 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 Bauer ones where you had to? Um, I think they started making them with curve eventually, but when when I first got one, they came with a straight blade, and you yeah. you had to heat it up. Yeah, uh, and and shape it so you could end up with some crazy, totally illegal curves. Oh yeah, we we. Um, if anybody goes back and listens to you know, how I got into hockey, we played on the street with my friends. And one of the fun things to do was like, okay, we need a new hockey stick, go to the decathlon, go to wherever, buy one of these sticks and heat it up with a hairdryer. Or one, my, my friend Alex's dad had a heat gun, which did the job a lot quicker. Uh, and yeah, we had like, like full on banana curves. I did, um, I did mine on the yeah. stove. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> did, did you flip eggs while you were there? <laughs> but you had to make sure you didn't leave it too long because then it would literally melt. Yeah, and it was stuck. You'd, you'd have no hockey stick. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, so that, I, I mean, that was like the first stick I had. And then this, this wooden glass fiber dipped thing was, was kind of the upgrade from that. And then after that, I remember I had a um, a two part, so it was a wood, you know, like wooden carbon fiber blade with an aluminium shaft, and those things were fucking Beast. lethal. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I, I had one of those. Yeah, I had one of those in roller hockey when I was playing. Like when I was playing younger age, like twelve, thirteen, and you had to have an Allen. Like, the brand was TPS, which was an actual hockey brand. I was like, okay, this is okay. It's a hockey brand. It's not just a no-name stick that my dad's found down the you know down some random store. Um, like it's a genuine hockey thing. The blade was uh, fiberglass plastic. Um, the shaft was aluminium, but you had to tighten it. You had to tighten the blade. Like usually with a two-piece stick, you glue them together. You'd hot glue mm. them together. Yeah, I this, remember mine being glued. Yeah, my dad thought that was a bad idea because once you break the blade or whatever, the the stick's done. You have to buy a new stick, um, or you know, you'd have you'd have a hard time getting the bit of the um, stick that was left in in the shaft out of the actual um, handle. So he thought this is a much better idea. Um, there's the TPS a couple of screws came. through it. <laughs> no, it, actually built in was an Allen key in the bottom, like the back of the, of the heel of the blade. Was oh, an, like Allen. a golf club. Yeah, almost. And like that was there to tighten up and expand inside the shaft. Um, and yeah, I remember that. But then I also remember not tightening it 
uh, or checking that it was tight, going on, playing a game, and my blade went further than the puck <laughs> when, I, when I was playing a game. The, the blade went flying past the goalie's head. The puck was still at my feet. Um, to which the referee blew the whistle and went, what What the hell happened? <laughs> I looked down and there's, there's no end of my stick. Um, so, yeah, we're going to fun hockey pass things. Also such things as see-through helmets from CCM. Uh, if you have, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen them, go and look at them. They're a magical, magical thing. Uh, I'm in the process of I, trying to I trying to find seen one. Them. I'm going to Google it now. Definitely go and Google it whilst me and Biddy uh, chat about hockey tech um, as of right now. So, what do you think is the most f- fun or interesting piece of hockey tech that players are using nowadays? Oh, that's a good question. Um, as of fun hockey tech, um, I'm quite liking uh, the new customization you can get with ice skates, uh, such as uh, Bauer. You can now go into a Bauer uh, skate shop and have your foot molded exactly, and you can basically customize your skate. You can choose the tongue. You can basically choose whatever you can think of, what you want on your skate, you can get it on your skate. And I kind of like that because we're going to see some wonderful and weird and wacky designs coming. And I think that's going to be quite quite intriguing. But as of um, scientific breakthrough, which you're going to be a little bit nerdy now because it's what I am, um, <laughs> I'm liking the thing of thermal blades that are slowly coming in. And I believe one or two players in the NHL have started using it. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a cracking idea. So... Obviously, how your skates work on the ice, you've got your concave curve and you actually skate on a thin layer of water what's melted between the ice and your uh, blade. Obviously, with thermal blades, they're basically a mechanism that they sit on first, which heats the blades up. So it causes less friction on the ice, making a more water layer between so players can actually skate at faster speeds, giving them that extra edge over other people. And it's uh, slowly coming in and... Apparently, they're still quite pricey. I've not looked at it myself because I ain't that good where I need to be using thermal blades. But it is slowly making its way into the NHL, apparently, and it's looking like it's a quite a solid advance. I expect it to see quite a lot of that more coming in in the future. So if I'm thinking rightly, the blade itself gets heated up and then you step on the ice? Or is it like a thermal yes. treating? So like the, Okay, so the blade would actually be hot... Whilst you're playing. Yeah, so it melts the ice underneath, so you've got a more water layer on top, so you glide on it, so there's less friction from the ice. Well, I'll just uh, follow you around with a blowtorch. The blade on the ice slows you down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just follow you with a blowtorch, mate. That'll be fine. If, if, if it makes you skate faster, I'll follow you with a blowtorch. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you can't keep up with me as yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, blade technology is definitely taking, I think, leaps and bounds from the skates themselves having the quick release um, to having um, a smoother polisher and higher grades of steel to carbon finishes to um, a a bigger step or bigger um, width of of steel uh, between the bottom of the skate and what is actually touching uh, touching the ice to get a better turn radius and turn angles and stuff. Um, I think that's a part of tech in hockey that 
it's taken leaps and bounds, but it's done it quite subtly and quite kind of under the radar. Yeah, I think um, I think skate technology um, has, seems to have come on an awful lot in in recent years. Um, a little bit to my annoyance, actually, because like a few years ago, getting kind of custom skates made for your foot shape and made to your specification were crazy expensive and there was basically only one <clears throat> one option on the market um which are now true skates but i can't remember what they were called before um ch custom skates ch is that no no ch two jerseys that, they're, they're the jersey guys it Sorry. doesn't matter they yeah. yeah we we all know what we mean someone will look it up for us um but yeah they are now the people that make true skates but then Bauer and CCM seem to be kind of now following that lead and their kind of top two or three models in, in every line you can now get made to your precise, um, you know, your precise foot dimensions and your specifications in terms of like what tongue and toe box and lace eyelets and all that sort of stuff you want in them. Um, and all of that kind of came in like the season after I decided to buy myself some like nice new 550, 600 quid skates. And I was like, so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I've recently just purchased, well, the last sale, which was a couple of months ago now, um, at the Ice Locker, they had a big clear out of the old kit. Uh, I managed to pick up a pair of uh, CCM AS1s, I believe they were. Um, retail price, about 650 quid, 150 quid. I was like, treat myself, why not? And then lockdown happened, there's no ice, so that was a good treat. Well done, Max. <laughs> needed, need, really needed to spend that money at that point because you were definitely going to be on the ice. Um, but so yeah, are, they, like, are, they, are they custom fits? or No, they were, they were out of the box. And uh, okay, I yeah. think this custom fit thing, it's good for players that, are going to be playing at a high, high level. So if you're a junior player that's 16 to 18 and you're getting looked at by a professional, te a professional team or a senior team or you're on the path, then, yeah, it's worth getting skates that are going to be to your specifics in your niches, so to speak, um, and they're going to work for you. For your for your average rec hockey player, which I think most people listening to this podcast are, go for a mid range boot. If you want to splash out and get a top level of anything, then hey, treat yourself. Treat yourself to some pro stuff. Mm. Um, it do, I don't it know. Does, if I, I don't know if I one hundred percent agree. Um, go but, on. Well, I guess if you're a thirty something rec hockey player like me, and your feet aren't growing anymore, and you value comfort. And let's face it, you're not putting your skates through that much punishment. Yeah. <laughs> Invest in a nice pair that's going to last you for like five, six, seven years and they're going to fit like a glove the whole time and you're going to love them versus yes, that's very you know, true. Getting, getting an out-of-the-box pair that you know they, they fit, but you've got to heat mold them to get them a little bit more comfortable and maybe there's always going to be that little patch on your right foot near the toe that, rubs a bit and you know that's that's why i'm annoyed that kind of i i i 
spent money on on some high-end skates and then and then kind of like this literally the season after it was like all these brands going hey all of our top end skates now are custom fit like get them made to your feet i was like oh great <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, mo- so moving on from like from moving on from like skates and stuff would you go and i know you're going to give me shit for it but would you get custom anything else I'm talking. I'm talking sticks. If people have listened to previous episodes. Like, yes, I have custom sticks. I went through the reasons why. I'll go through them again if you need me to. But no, no, doesn't need to be said. Fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but would you get custom anything else, like custom elbow pads, shin pads, shorts, potentially chest well, armor? I think stuff like that. Contrary to like what I was just talking about with skates, like you. Like all of that stuff is kind of flexible and padded, and therefore, you know, as long as you try it on in the shop and find stuff that fits well and and is comfortable, I don't really see the need for it to be custom. It certainly doesn't need to be custom from a visual point of view because you're going to chuck a jersey over it, um, so it's not going to be seen. Um, skates, I think it's important because, you know, they are. You know, yeah, they they your contact point with the ice. They they need to they need to fit well for you to kind of be able to control your skating and um yeah, just sort of you can get some really bad discomfort if they if they fit badly. Okay, so I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw a suggestion out there, and hopefully this is something that we can kind of branch into and do a whole podcast on uh, or maybe even an extra video content piece or something um, is I'm hoping to reach out to a hockey brand, whether it be Bauer, CCM, Warrior, whoever, and get a blind test and say, give it to the average rec player, 30-ish player, 30-year-old player. Would you be able to tell the difference between top end all the way down to the bottom end if you were blind tested and that's that's everything that's everything that's from uh, sticks skates gloves but you probably would be able to tell with gloves i suppose um because there is definite padding differences uh, but especially sticks and uh, skates like biddy would you be able to tell the difference if it was blind tested not a not a cat and hell's chance. <laughs> and I highly doubt you'd get any company willing to let you do that because pretty much most rep players will not tell a difference at all. <laughs> so all that's going to do is all those Muppets that are going out there buying the best three, £400 stick are going to go, well, I'm just as good with this £50 one, so why am I going to pay you that money? I'm going to get this £50 quid one. Just, and they're going to lose out so much money from this twice buying the top hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But... So, um, yeah, yeah. don't get it wrong. There's a few players that might be good enough to make a slight difference, but the average player, I don't think there's going to be much difference. I agree. Uh, I was just going to say, I I think I would rank it um, in terms of ability to tell, would like least, I think, would be stick. I think most people give them any old stick and give them like two minutes to get used to it in terms of like weight and curve and stuff and probably not going to care 
uh, or not going to be good enough to be able to tell. Then, then, then all all of the padding, all of your, but you know your body armor, your your knees and shins and stuff like that would be next because I think you can, you can tell a difference from a comfort point of view, um, the more you spend. That's certainly been my experience. The things that I've spent the least money on, other things that I'm kind of like, oh, this you know doesn't doesn't fit so well. There's not a much, as much adjustment. There's the the materials don't feel quite as expensive. I definitely think there's a ceiling on that though as well. And then and then when it comes to skates, so I, I kind of already said my opinion. I think I think you do get better skates the more you spend. Um, and again, it comes down to those. It's about comfort, though. I don't know. What I don't know is if you put a a really good skater in a pair of, you know, sort of bottom of the range skates, and then and then in a pair of top of the range skates, does it really make that much difference to their performance? Probably, probably not. I think it's more about their ability. Yeah, that was going to be my next question of like, right, okay, so if we put you in. The top bower skate, whatever it may be, and then put you in the, uh, the the Billy the Billy Basic of the range. Would you see a performance change in your speed and uh, comfort? But then your speed, agility. But then also, would you feel less confident in those skates? I'm going to say yes to this because I've actually had this happen to myself personally. Okay. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'm CCM through and through. I've absolutely loved CCM from day one. I've, yeah, I, I like my CCM. And I used to skate in a pair of CCM uh, Vector Pro. And I loved them. They were great skates. And I literally wore them down to where the padding actually fell out of them when I put my foot through once and it just crumbled. So I brought some neck skates up from them at the time, which was the uh, CCM RBZs. And I genuinely had them for four weeks until I got rid of them and bought new skates because I just did not feel safe in them whatsoever. They felt so flimsy that when I was trying to do tight turns and stuff, I was cautious that my uh, ankles were going to go. And it really did make a difference to my skating because I just did not feel like I could go into that corner and put a hockey stop on and that I'm going to stop in them. And I got rid, literally, I say within about four weeks, I went to a CCM tax, which I now feel comfortable again because they're a solid boot. And my skating has improved again from when I had the RBZs. So I genuinely do believe it does make a difference subconsciously because you feel safer. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. The last two pairs of boots that I've had, I've been able to get them on a deal, and I picked them up because I because knowingly they were a top end skate, and because knowingly that they would have the protection, the comfort, and more importantly the support that I feel that I need when I'm on the ice because then I can put it down to, oh, it is literally my ability to not be able to turn, to tight tight turn, to stop. It's it's me that's the problem. It's not the skates. Mm. Like, I, I, have, I, have, I have full confidence that the skates can do the things that I want them to do. It's just my body is unwilling <laughs> and unable. Yeah, and I think, I think increasingly with... Um with a lot of the products that are available these days, there's, there's, there are there are very few kind of crappy products out there. Like even the stuff at the bottom end of the range is is pretty good, and it, you yeah, know, it's, it's it's definitely good to um, get you up and running. So if people are thinking about playing, then you know don't think you need to go 
kind of top of the range with everything, um, especially not out of the gate. Definitely. I was just, um, just going to say, I've looked up this um, CCM Oh helmet, yes, and it is bonkers. They for people <laughs> who want to look it up at home, they're called the CCM X-ray helmet. There you go. Um, what were they thinking? <laughs> and I've just re- I've just remembered that the name of the company before True was VH Custom. VH, yes. With VH Custom, they did goalie skates, player skates, and then got bought by a company called True. Uh, because True made everything apart from apart from skates, I believe, before this, and then VH now they're the company that they bought out, and they now do skates. Because True kind of specialised in sticks and gloves and other protection, and now they do skates and they're custom skates. So they've been doing custom skates for a while. Now they've brought out a uh, they brought out two skates at that aren't custom, I believe. That they are just uh, they are just retail. Uh, level skates but with the technology of a custom boot so still a fantastic product without paying uh, a top end price and that is probably the consumer advice that i would give to anybody is like do research there's enough places out there there's enough youtube videos there's enough forums etc for players to or people who want to get into hockey to do the research of like right okay is this going to work for me is this right for me um, there's a lot of consideration as to ability, how big of a person you are, how tall, how short, how um, how much you weigh, without being too crude, um, as to what sort of level of maybe skate and protection uh, pad-wise that you get because the more you go up the price in range, um, the more protection I feel you do get, the more technology you do get with it as well. And companies do spend a lot on this. Um, I, just, yeah. I was just going to bring it back real quick to um, some some weird tech oh, innovations. Yeah. Please do um, down the down the years. Um, uh, something that I, I've remembered, never actually experienced like using it myself, um, but I think it's interesting. Uh, so it's the it's, it's an old Reebok um, stick design called the O stick. Uh, I think it wasn't actually called the O-stick, but that's what people called it. Uh, And it was a stick with with holes in it. Um, (laughs) I had one! Yeah, (laughs) I thought thought someone had one, yes. Yeah, I mention this. I'm going to say, I'll try and find it. There's a few pictures where I was playing it in the game, so if I can find one, I'll uh, put a picture up on the Facebook page so you can see the stick we're on about. Yeah, you got holes coming down the uh, shaft of it. A cracking stick, I loved it. I just thought I thought it was interesting because obviously um, you know Bauer have have just brought out a a new vapor stick that's got a hole in the blade. Oh, the yeah uh, the, uh, the, the ADV or something like that. Yeah, the, the Nexus ADV um, has, or uh, well, at least the first iteration of it has a hole, um, or a, a po- I'm going to call it a post Along box. the blade. Yeah, 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 through through the blade where. The two different parts are different stiffnesses, which gives you more of a rebound and rubber band effect. Um, other such techs, there's an independent stick company that has made a stick with a bend in it. Go and check those yeah. those guys I've out. I've been holding my stick for years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you just <laughs> can't like, catch those passes. passes. are always going through yeah, that hole. You can't pass passes. <laughs> you can't <laughs> take passes. Um, but yeah, there's, I think it's called. I think the brand's called Elevate. The the stick is curved. Yeah. Um, there was another company called Solomon, and they had 
a rounded lower third of their shaft, um, or at least it was like uh, oval shaped. Right. Uh, yeah. I know one of our players had had that stick. I think it was uh, Sean Bagley had that stick. Again, I'll try and find pictures from him to put up on our Facebook group to find that. But there's there's so much weird and wonderful tech. Go and check out our Facebook page after listening to this, uh, where you'll find uh, some posts and share your weird hockey tech. Whether it's something that you probably may have cust- may have customized. So I've changed the padding in the palm of my glove. I'll throw a picture of that up. Uh, if you guys have modified or changed the um, I'm getting some weird looks. So I'm going to explain why I have the change. Okay, so I was getting holes in the palms of my glove. And to combat that, I had some old um, kayaking gloves, uh, like neoprene gloves. So I cut them up, put the neoprene on the inside so it's nice and comfortable on my hand, put the hard-wearing leather on the inside of the palm. No more holes. Works, pr- works, works brilliantly. Bit of Gorilla Glue, and who needs to repalm your gloves when you can do it yourself for free? Um, delicate hands. Yes, my delicate baby soft hands. Uh, which can't shoot or stick handle or probably are made out of cement. Um, so yeah, uh, go and check out the Facebook page for the uh, post and the in the comments below will be your weird tech or our weird tech as well and feel free to add to it. Uh, we'd love to see some some random weird hockey customizations and weird tech through the years uh, up on there. Okay, so we're going to leave the uh, tech talk there. Hopefully in a future episode, I can bring on somebody who's a bit more informed. We can hopefully have a guest on from one of those leading companies and we can grill them some questions, hopefully from you guys um, listening to this, that you would like to ask the uh, the tech giants such as, or the hockey equipment giants such as Bauer and CCM or Warrior or whoever we could probably potentially get on this, this podcast. But leaving that there, we're going to end the episode. That's the end of the let's talk hockey episode six it's been a great pleasure as always thank you ali you're welcome thank you biddy no problem you can't hear him but thank you dan thumbs up (laughs) and from me i've been max artist this has been let's talk hockey thank you so much for listening we'll see you on the next episode Thank you.